Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode 159 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Brian Young and Amy Ratcliffe. And um, this is our uh, last show together. I'm just throwing it out there, making people think we were stopping the show. Why would you, you do had, that? You scared me for a second, even <laughs> I know, like, wait, what? Well, April Fool's Day is coming up, so I just wanted to, to mess with everybody. But no, it's our last week until two weeks from now. Next weekend, uh, Brian is at uh, Fan X, and Amy, you're at WonderCon, right? Yes. So anyway, all that joking aside, sorry to mess with you listeners, but um, we do want to talk some Star Wars tonight. And Brian, why don't you let everybody know what we will be discussing this evening? Well, um, Rogue One is coming soon, and we know we're getting a trailer eventually, and and we know a little bit about it, but I think we know way more about it than maybe we're letting on. And so I kind of wanted us to talk about Rebels and A New Hope um, in the context of what it can teach us about Rogue One. Okay. Um, because I thought that was really interesting because I think there are things that maybe, um, you know, people don't necessarily remember about the sequence of events or how the Death Star plan. We know Rogue One is about the plan to steal the plans for the the first Death Star. Yes. And do you know how often when I talk about Rogue One for people who aren't aware, they, they just immediately go to like, oh, yeah, we'll guess what happened to the Bothans. And I'm like, well, no, no, not, not the Bothans. There could be Bothans, but not the Bothans you're thinking of. Yeah, no, these ones might not have to die. Yeah, but that's amusing to me. They're like, they know yeah. it's the first Death Star, but they always go, oh, those Bothans. I'm like, people are really curious about those Bothans, everybody. You're not curious yeah. about those Bothans? I mean, they're heroes. Well, they're they dead. are, but I don't I don't need to know. Well, I don't know. I'm curious to know what a Bothan looks like in canon. That I am curious about. Yeah, me too. I, I lent my voice as a Bothan for Radio Free Tatooine's uh, Shadow Quarry, but I didn't. You know, I didn't know what I looked like, so. Oh, you like, played a Bothan. I thought yeah. you meant like you were going to say you played in like a Bothan in the video game. Then I'd be like, but then you would know what it looked like. No, <laughs> no, I just voiced a Bothan. And, and and how do you voice a Bothan? You know what I mean? It was it was a uh, it was a hard thing to do, but it was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's this Rogue One is has a nothing to do with Bothan. Okay. As so, far as we as know. As far as we know. Not not those Bothans. So I wanted to start with the opening crawl of A New Hope because Wait a that. One second. When, how funny would it be to me? Like, would it be if Bothans were involved in stealing the plans for this Death Star as well? Somehow. Well, I mean, that's unless, just their role in the Star Wars universe. Well, I mean, they're good Bothans spies. are just human because that's what our team looks like, right? Right, but maybe there's somebody on the fringes who we haven't seen yet who plays. It would just be amusing to me if that's a Bothan somehow. Alan, Tudor. <laughs> Alan Tudor. 
Mystery solved. Well, it was always my understanding that the Bothans were really good spies and behind the scene, you know, planners. So maybe well, they were involved. But they also, um, they've gone away from that whole, like, the entirety of one species is good as, at one thing sort of idea. Like, Ugnot, Ugnots don't just freeze things in carbonite. They also sell droid Junk. parts. Yeah, I saw that. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, or they're uh fascinating uh antiquities experts yeah in the lando oh, yeah that's right they're just full of sava, skills sava sava corin purrs is one of my favorite characters added to the the star wars uh lexicon from the comics i really like her um but so rogue one and what we know about the situation that leads to the story we already know we know Princess Leia has the plans, and we know Vader is hunting her down. But I think the opening crawl and some of Vader's dialogue gives us a much tighter clue as of to what exactly we're going to be seeing with Rogue One. And right now, um, we don't have a trailer, which means that as we record it, we don't have a trailer, and it'll probably be out over the weekend before the episode gets released, which yeah. is part of why I wanted to do this episode, just to force <laughs> the trailer out. Yeah, that's how it usually Smart works. plan. So, um... For those not well, quickly, familiar, oh, go ahead. My detours again. Please. When do we just a quick speculation of when do you guys think are we going to get something with Civil War? Like, what do you think? When do you think we'll see another teaser? Well, the first real teaser, the one at Celebration, doesn't count. I hope Civil War. I think Civil War is a safe bet. That's the next Marvel movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean that makes sense. But then again, you know, I don't know if I told you guys this before. I never saw. Uh, the Force Awakens trailer in the theater. Huh. Oh, really? And I go to the movies all the time. I've never seen that trailer in a movie I was watching or before a movie I was watching. What if it's not on one of those? What if it's bad robot programming it? What if the soonest we're going to see it's in July for Star Trek Beyond? Wouldn't that be weird? For, for its celebration at that point, yeah. But with a movie, yeah, that would be interesting. Maybe maybe celebration is where they're going to premiere it. It just seems like it's so. it's only five months before it gets in theaters it just well i don't know it's curious if you think about the timeline we'd have we for by this point in waiting for force awakens we already had a trailer yeah we had it a Mm -hmm. year 13 months out well we had a teaser and then we had the trailer about about this time roughly yeah so soon i think it's soon which is why i think it's this weekend because we're talking about it without having it yeah so you're welcome everybody if if we get it yeah he totally credits to to brian's yeah, the problem is we discussing. don't have Bobby on, and it usually happened when Bobby was on talking about it. Brian just filled in the Bobby role saying it will probably come out this weekend now. Yeah. So well done, Brian. Yes. So um, for Rogue One, um, I think there there's some clues in A New Hope that will kind of help us set the scene here. And I think the first one starts at the opening crawl. It is a period of civil war. Rebel what? Sp- I know, right? Shocker. We're never going to get through this episode. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Now, when I had 
the original, like I never really thought about this in context of Rogue One before. Um, because in my head, it was just like crack rebel commando team goes in and they steal the plans from somewhere. They get them from the Geonosians, except for they're all dead, apparently. Um, or they get them from the Empire somehow. And I forgot until rewatching A New Hope that they are like the sneaky side force going on over this larger battle. Everybody keeps saying this is a giant war movie. Um, especially with the the people they've brought on to work on it, people who are veterans of Saving Private Ryan and Black Hawk Down, that we're going to see this first battle of the rebellion. The first, uh, their first victory is something we might see. That would be cool. Because I think uh, it would be great to see this couched under the larger battle with them sneaking in as part of that. So I think these rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base are going to be pivotal to the movie. That makes sense. So everybody's with me, right? So far? Yep. Um, I think Rebels is giving us clues about those, those, those hidden bases. I think we know about Dantooine and how it's been deserted for some time. The next episode of Rebels, which is the penultimate before the finale, um, if you've seen the previews, um, I've actually watched the episode, but I won't get into spoiler territory. I'll just stay with where the, the previews are. Can I just stop you for a second there? Yeah. What does penultimate mean? I'm not a good wordsmith. Um, next to last. Next basically. to last. Yeah. Next to last. Okay, thank you. The rebels are finding a new base and having to deal with the problems that go along with that. And and I love the theme that it plays out where it's just like everywhere they go, there's some monster that wants to eat them, whether it's these giant spider monsters or like wampas. Literal monsters or the empire. Or the, yeah. Kind of a monster. They're monsters, um, too. And I wonder what Dantooine held there. Like, what what was it on Dantooine that drove them off other than just, like, we think they're on to us, we need to get the hell out of here? Or if they launch their their assault from Dantooine and decide that all roads are going to lead back there, so they desert it in order to have this battle. Oh. Well, I have a quick question that may have been addressed in, like, Rebels Recon or something or somewhere else, but the base that AP5 led them to that we were apparently going to see maybe in the next episode. Do we have, is that confirmed what that is? Do people think that's Dantooine? What's. I don't think it's Dantooine. Dantooine. We have seen what Dantooine was supposed to be um, in the Clone Wars micro series. And I can't see that. uh, I don't think that's. uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't, think they're changing that it was sort of a grasslands planet we also saw it in lost stars uh because thane kyrell went and checked it out and it was just a big empty base at the time of the death star explosion oh right and i wonder i mean so this is another clue too it seems like they're still setting up the rebel base on yavin 4 in the movie right yeah that seemed like they're they're relatively it's relatively new i feel like so maybe no. they. oh go ahead I was going to say, but we know from Shattered Empire, like what timeline, because eventually, either, you know, there are colonists there because that's where Paul was born. Post that's not Return of the Jedi, though. Exactly. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I got no, my, okay. my prequel on our trilogy. It is a Bothan. <laughs> so confusing. Um, so, so what if the battle launches from Dantooine? And their rendezvous point is Yavin 4 because they think Dantooine could be somehow compromised. Or 
when they discover they they launch it from Dantooine when Leia is captured or when when all of the plans go wrong, they say we're compromised. We need to get out of here, and that's when they start that move to Yavin Four. Or, well, no, I think Leia must have known that they were moving to Yavin 4. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been able to bring the Millennium Falcon there. So, exactly. so Dantooine might have been safe for her. She, she had to know Dantooine was a safe name to give them. Yeah, that nobody would be there, exactly. So maybe that was the last place they were before Yavin 4. Yeah, like they'd find something there with everybody gone, and at least it wasn't a lie if they called her on it. If it got that far, we know it didn't. Here, Here's where some of my... Like, I think that we're going to see this team going in and get the, getting the Death Star plans. And they've, they've touted this film as it's just these commandos. There's no Jedi. Um, there's no Sith. We're hearing, we're hearing rumors. Maybe Vader's involved. Maybe, maybe Vader's not. But I think A New Hope tells us he is. And Do you think I, that's what his role is switched into? As, as what you mean is, like, he's hunting down rebels now? Like, he's... Well, no, I think they have this first major battle and they're like, we kind of need to take care of this invader shows up, but there's, there's the, that, uh, conversation between Darth Vader and his rebel, um, or his, uh, Imperial like counterpart on the Tanavi four. And, uh, Vader says, uh, or the, the officer tells Vader holding her is dangerous. If word of this gets out, it could generate a sympathy for the rebellion in the Senate. And then Vader says very pointedly, I've traced the rebel spies to her. Now she's my only link to finding their secret base. Which says to me, Vader has hunted down and murdered all of the rest of the spies, but they were still able to get the package, the stolen data tapes, to Leia. Which is why this film is going to end with the, the Devastator chasing the Tanavi 4. That's my prediction. I could okay. be completely wrong. Ah, that would be interesting. I could be completely wrong. But think about the marketing around this. They're keeping everything quiet. They want Vader in movies. There's no way they don't want Vader in movies. But they're telling everybody, it's just commandos. It's a spy movie. It's a thriller. It's a war movie. Think about the added complication of the second act turn in this movie. The thing that turns them down that dark hole once they've got the plans and they're trying to escape and a blast door opens. And instead of Darth Maul or Ahsoka, it's Vader on the other side there. It's a little more severe, that's for sure. Well, and think about how powerful that would be in a movie like this, where you've got these characters who, who aren't Force users, who are spies, who are putting everything, absolutely everything they have left on the line to get, rid of, to get these stolen plans back because they know what's at stake. Alderaan has not happened yet. This is their chance to prevent an Alderaan, but they don't even know it yet. They don't even know yet that the Empire has... I mean, they know what the Death Star... They probably don't quite realize the power, like the absolute destruction. Well, yeah, but I think knowing what it's capable of and actually watching it, being aware of it blowing a planet to smithereens, and what, I think that's kind of a different... I think that's well, a different thing to wrap your head around. Like, you can know what something can technically do, but until you see it, you're like, oh, well. Doesn't yeah. it... It it makes these people that much more brave, though, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but so imagine them. They have the plans. They know what they're doing. They're getting out under the cover of this battle that is a victory for the, the rebellion. And then, yeah, just that blast door opens, and there's Vader trying to stop them. And they have to get those data tapes physically, like physical data tapes, which is what they refer to, 
in A New Hope, or Mahdi calls them. You know, his uh, Vader's clairvoyance has not help, uh, given him the power to conjure up the stolen data tapes. Which means Mahdi could be involved, too. Any of those people could be. Yeah, anybody. Any of the Imperials we saw in A New Hope, for sure. And, I mean, I think any of the any of the rebels we're starting to meet because something I want to just bring up super quickly because I forget it is how close rebels is now to a new hope. It's, it's still three, a few years. It's three years. That still seems, it just seems really close to me because we know how far the rebellion, it kind of impresses me that how fast the rebellion it's, it was a slow burn at first, but now like three years to me seems like a very kind of quick time. Well, yeah, period. In the grand scheme of the timeline, that's nothing. Yeah. So there's possibility that we're going to see, or at least hear names that we know from Star Wars Rebels too, because Rogue One is, you know, if it's only a couple years away, I feel like there's bound to be some overlap. Not that I'm saying we're going to see a live action Hera or anything. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where I was going to ask. What I mean, what what do you think the possibility on a scale of one to 10 that nothing's really going to happen to Ahsoka and nothing's really going to happen to the Rebels until we would see Rogue One? Um, I know probably little, but it's a thinker, isn't it? I don't know. I think, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think so, it'd be more like we more likely to hear them referenced. Or, yeah, of I them. Don't know if we'll see any of them. Yeah, yeah. But then we've got we've got the matter of the cast too, and we've got a pretty big cast. Um, which is odd because there's literally only one woman in the entire cast. But they have one, Brian. Isn't that enough? No, that's what people. Which is what I'm, people say. I'm really excited that she's the lead. Me too. But there could have been more. And and I was thinking maybe Alan Tudyk, since he's motion capture, could be playing. But then why wouldn't you get an actual get a woman to play? Yeah. yeah, wouldn't that be neat? Yeah, that'd be a real amazing thing. So there's some clues on IMDb. And IMDb is notoriously unreliable. But for all of the major characters, they don't have any names listed. So we have Felicity Jones, and we know she's the lead. She's leading the Rebel Strike team to steal the plans. Alan Tudyk is in the movie, and we know he's playing a motion capture creature. Alan Tudyk, for anybody who doesn't know, he was Wash on Firefly. Um, Mads Mikkelsen is, we think, a bad guy. And he was Hannibal in the uh, Brian Fuller's Hannibal TV series, and he was also Le Chief in, uh, Casino Royale. in Casino so Royale. He was also... Um, Jared uh, Montferrat, sort of. Um, in if you've read the Blade Squadron uh, short stories in Star Wars oh. Insider, they're really good. The artist who did all of the, um, uh, the artist who did all of the art for those stories used Mads Mikkelsen sort of as the reference for uh, Jared Montferrat. Which is really interesting because he's the commander of the Devastator. And once Vader leaves the Devastator to take over the Executor between A New Hope and Empire, Montferrat becomes the commander of the Devastator completely and ends up um, dying on, on Endor. So maybe, maybe they decided that they are going to stick with that. Maybe he's the, one of the commanders of the Devastator. That would be cool, and it would be kind of cool if... Because didn't um, Sam, I mean, I know we probably had an audition, but didn't Force Lily Unleash come about for Sam Whitmer because Amy Beth Christensen drew concept art that looked like Sam Whitmer? Or am I, I don't know. That's a possibility. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, and obviously he's very talented, but I, I that's, don't 
That's a really funny idea, though, just imagining Amy Beth Christensen drawing fan art of Sam Witwer before he's in Star Wars. Well, like when she was doing concept, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, I just think that's funny. But, but so, like, it'd be funny, too, that if that's how... Yeah. If they're like, oh, Matt Nicholson, like, he, he looks good in an Imperial uniform, like, that's probably not at all how that would work. Well, but we can assume that the, the, the Devastator's probably involved, right? Yeah. Well, sure, I think that's... Because that's where this story ends in A New Hope. Um, Then we've got Donnie Yen, who who, uh, he's starred in a a number of Hong Kong like action style movies like Ip Man. Ip Man. Um, And we know he, uh, according to that that one picture we've seen in the movie, which is so weird that we've only seen the one picture, he he looks like he's got like white eyes and a stick. And I swear they're going to make him the blind like stick fighting master. Which I have. Okay, so that's what? one way you can go. That that you would do that. I don't know. Do you have a different way? Um, you mean? Oh no, it's just. Never mind. I'm not going to go into that. Okay. No, but I, I I realize no, I'm good. But I I did kind of forget for a second that we've only seen that one cast photo, right? Yeah. That's kind of wild, at this point. Um, and then we've got Ben Mendelsohn. Um, and he was, he's been in a lot of like really random stuff and we don't quite know who he's playing. I don't think he was in the, uh, the cast picture, was he? But he was sort of, he was sort of a side character. He's like a pretty generic, like every guy. He was in the dark Knight uh, rises. Uh, that's sort of like the biggest thing he was in, uh, as Daggett. He was Daggett in The Dark Knight Rises. I'm going to be honest. I saw that movie once and didn't really like it. So I don't remember who he was in that movie. At Which all. one was The Dark Knight Rises in the trilogy? Was that the first the one? The third one. The, one that the third they, one. The one with the Bane. Oh, I couldn't understand what he was saying. I haven't seen that one at all, actually. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Just, um, which but, I appreciate because that's not usually the reaction when I get when I say I haven't seen that movie. Then usually we have. Changed. No, you're fine. We are a welcoming and positive fan community. Exactly. Um, then we have Forrest Whitaker. Which who, I'm excited about. Right? I love Forrest Whitaker. Me too. I agree. I think he's incredibly talented. But he's not in the photo either, so we don't know who he could be. He could be playing anything ranging from like his part in the crying game to Ghost Dog. <laughs> or anywhere in between. A big football player with a Camaro. I probably won't fit in this. That's movie. what that's that's what my money's on. <laughs> um, Diego Luna is in the picture, and everybody. Diego Luna, he's a really fantastic uh, Spanish actor or a Spanish language actor, and he was in some films like uh, Itumama Tambien and um, what else has Diego Luna been in? But he uh, he looks like he's the one everybody thought was going to be Biggs. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. Because he oh, has yes. a similar mustache. Yes, right. Of course. So obviously he has to look like um, the other. Right, yeah. He's been in like a lot of stuff. He was in Milk. He was in The Terminal. He was he was uh, Matt Damon's buddy in Elysium. Elysium. Yeah. So he's been in a lot of stuff. You're going to recognize him. And uh, Rogue One, Rogue One, he's on the team. And everybody thinks he looks kind of like Biggs, even though Biggs is quite clearly a white dude. And Diego Luna is decidedly not. And let's be honest, because somebody has similar mustache is not necessarily a reason to think that they're playing. I know. All the, you know, just putting that out. It's there. a it's a seventies mustache. A life. Everyone <laughs> in the seventies 
that had a mustache that looked kind of like that was related. Um, We'd all be related. Yeah. Then we've got Riz Ahmed, who um, he was in movies like Nightcrawler, and um, that seems to be about the biggest movie he was in. It looks like he's in the next Jason Bourne movie as well, and uh, he's going to be in it. Um, the the bigger ones though are actually small things, and this is where I was worried about IMDb's complete unreliability because they have um, a few character like extra names to people who said they were in the movie. So there's one one person named Attila G. Karakis playing Rebel Marine on Yavin. You've got a guy named Nick Walters playing Stormtrooper. Um, Sam Hanover playing Imperial Officer. Mac Potowski playing Commie Tech slash Marine Soldier. Emerson Woley playing Religious Warrior. Daniel Egan, Partisan Style Y Militiaman. I don't know what any of that means. I mean, I know what some of it means. I know what a Rebel Marine on Yavin probably looks like, and I know what Yavin, I can, I can uh, conjure Yavin pretty easily. And, and maybe, this, maybe this attack happens from Yavin, you know, because that picture does look like it could be in one of the Masazi temples, and they are trying to capitalize on that, that look and feel of old Star Wars, so why not show us what happened on Yavin before Leia got there? So like, down for that. It's so like Yavin gets busted up pretty good, and then by the time New Hope is over, they're rebuilding and things are better. Right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I, yeah, I think it's a possibility. But, so, I think, I think this movie's going to end in tragedy, though. It doesn't have to? I think it has to. No, I don't think it has to. I think the one way around that would be other than all the members of the team dying in order to get the plans to Leia. What if, what if they each only know like a certain part of the plan? Well, I don't think they would still probably kill them. They just, they just have a batch of data tapes. Well, right. But to get those data tapes, they presumably, wait, Never mind. That idea fell apart in my head. You're funny. I was trying to think. I was trying to picture like Ocean's Eleven style, them like planning out the heist to get the data tapes. Um, but all of the people in Ocean's Eleven knew the master plan, so they all lived. Anyway, they all lived. That's true too. But they, I don't know. Bellagio treasure is probably not quite the same as the Death Star plans. Well, no, I don't. I, I mean, like, I maybe this is going to reference Ocean's Eleven a little bit, and maybe it will be a heist of that nature. I don't think uh, it's prob- probably not the tone they're going for. Is- well, I don't think that tone, but I'm kind of hoping for like one of those heist type movies. That would be fun at some point, I think. I, I wonder. Well, and and we had that with um, with uh, Timothy Zahn's Scoundrels. Oh, Scoundrels! Yeah, that book. Yeah, it was very Ocean's Eleven. Actually, that's how Brian recommended it to me. He said, "Do you like movies like this?" And I said, "Yes." He goes, "Well, then that's what you should read because it's like that, but with Han Solo and Chewie and Lando." Sold. Yeah. And I was sold. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, I don't see how this can end in any other way but tragedy. Because when you look at how Vader finishes this and realizes that Leia's the last link, the droids have the plans and they need to find the droids. Like, they just start killing everyone, right? Stormtroopers blow into the Tanavi 4 and start killing everyone. Everyone else is taken prisoner. Leia's taken prisoner. They're all taken to the Death Star. 
They have, they're literally just like murdering people on Tatooine who came in contact with the droids, which is how, um, how tight a, a grip on this situation and how important Vader knows it is. Well, sure. I mean, think how pissed Palpatine probably was. Well, and, and more than that, though, I mean, what's at stake? What, what happens if this rebel insurgency actually gets away with this? Not, not just Palpatine being pissed, but yeah. Well, but look like, at, what yeah, happens? look what it does to the reputation of the Empire, sure. So, which, which leads me back to, I mean, there's going to be some lightness going on in it, but it, it would have to end with tragedy, because why would you need a new hope? Yeah, exactly. Like, this is, it seems like everything's just darkest before the dawn, and what's the better dawn than a new hope? Right, you have, you have another, th- yeah, that makes sense. Which is why I think, like, what's the only way all of these situations can get worse? Rebels ends horribly whenever it ends. We've got three years to see how bad that ends. Or three years in the story to see how how badly all of this ends. And And maybe this is that spark, right? Maybe this is that spark that they know, that, you know, imagine imagine that, that you know, spark of uh, a fuse running all the way to this keg of dynamite. And Vader knows that this, the Death Star plans, if he doesn't snuff that out, it's going to blow that powder keg. And this, because everything else has been dealt with. Every other aspect of the Rebels, except for this fleet that's, that struck out to get there for, I don't know, like, it seems he like struck maybe... struck everything else down. You're right. Yeah. And it seems like this... There's an opportunity, obviously, presented in the opening crawl that this could be a tragedy for some characters, but a bittersweet victory for the rest, right? They do win their first victory against the Empire during this. So maybe the overall battle is a ruse for these characters to sacrifice themselves. Hey, random thought that we may have talked about. We're really not going to get through this episode. Do you think the spinoffs will have opening crawls? Or they just leave that for the the Skywalker story? I don't know. I mean, they've done it totally different ways with both the shows. So Clone Wars had the the newsreel sort of opening. And yeah. Rebels just kind of has the Indiana Jones tease. Um, I think they're... I, I don't know. I think that's... I think that's... Uh, I think that's one of the things I'm most interested about in the movie, that how the music goes, because they've got not John Williams doing Star Wars music for, you know, a Star for Wars the film. Movie. Yeah. Um, and it's not Kiner. It is. Let me find his name. And he's somebody I'm told is really good. Music by Alexandra Desplat. Des- I don't oh. know his name. He did. did, that? He did, did the he music do... for Argo, Harry Potter, and the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Harry Potter. Yep. The King's Speech. Oh, so yeah, he's he's a perfect ape for John Williams. If he did Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One, did he do one of the Twilight films? I think um, he did. Feel like I'm looking. So he did Imitation Game, Godzilla, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Monuments Men, Philomena. Zero Dark Thirty, Argo, Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, so he works with uh, Gareth Edwards, Wes, Wes Anderson, and Gareth Edwards. Um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One and Part Two, Fantastic Mr. Fox, 
Um, curious case of Benjamin Button. He the did. Golden he did the. Uh, he did New Moon. You oh, were he did about Twilight. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right yeah. here. How was how Actually, was the music in that? I good. quite like that score. That's why I was yeah. like, I'm like, why do I know this name? Um, that's one of the reasons I know that name. So we're all thumbs up with him on board, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think Harry Potter right there is the biggest qualification, right? Because he, yeah, because obviously Wayne's. knows how to weave, weave his themes into something new. So, Brian, you're a, you're a history buff, and you like all things history, and you write, you know, you wrote your presidential assassination book, and one of the things I've always liked about war, and to say like about war, I mean, that's kind of a weird thing. You're to a say. horrible person. Does. It makes me a weird person, but I like that spy versus spy and the counter intelligence in a lot of these movies or a lot of the books that I read about World War One and World War Two. So that's one of the things I think I'm most excited about Rogue One is is the possibility of getting that because we we've heard stories throughout Star Wars of of this, but not anything in depth. Yeah. No, I really I'm a big fan of reading stories about that too. I've been reading a little bit about uh Christopher Lee and the outfit he was detached to called in during World War II with him and like Ian Fleming and a bunch of other people. And they, they called themselves the ministry of ungentlemanly warfare. <laughs> and most of what they did is still just, is still honestly classified. Um, wow. I think we talked about that when Christopher Lee passed about the things that he took to the grave with him. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully one day we'll find those things out. But, uh, but no, I, I, I think that, um, Alec Guinness kind of comes from a long tradition of, of movies like that too. He was in the, the TV version of, uh, Tinker Taylor soldier spy. And, um, he did a lot of Graham green material that like, like, there's a lot of star Wars pedigree in these sorts of stories, but we've never seen one actually with that star Wars skin on it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm being hopeful for that. What do you two want out of this movie? How do you feel like you'll be most satisfied or is that setting expectations too high? Yeah, I'm, trying I'm just not curious to, do that. to see how they're going to do a standalone because this is something we've never had in Star Wars before. So a couple of the things that I brought up before is some things I'm looking forward to. I didn't jump all over or pounce all over the possibility of Darth Vader being some character, a character, a big character, a small character in the movie. I would love to see that. Besides that, I, I mean, I have my reservations. Like I never said, I never said it out loud when we found out about Daisy Ridley playing Ray. I didn't want to poo-poo the whole thing. Like, I'd never seen her in anything and of the movie. She was probably my biggest worry, but it was unfounded. There was no reason for me to say anything because I, I didn't know either way. And then seeing her on, on screen for the first time and, and watching that character and completely falling in love with her right away and her being my probably my favorite character in the, the new trilogy, I have those hesitations about Rogue One because we haven't really seen anything like this with you know, a standalone movie and there's a different director and there's different music and there's different all this, but I don't want to get my hopes up too much. And I kind of think I did that with force awakens too, trying to not watch. Wait, wait, wait. Did force awakens, um, fall shallow of your expectations? Absolutely not. No, I didn't want well, then, so. then What are you worried about? I'm not worried about it. I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, build up my own expectations in my, in my brain and in my heart. And then, be wholly disappointed i think it's i think we're gonna love it i think we are i'm not gonna be disappointed if anything we've talked about doesn't come true i think the only thing i'd be disappointed about is that if it directly specifically contradicts some of the stuff we know has to happen based on what we know in the, the movies totally 
I think that's the only thing. And, and, you know, like JJ Abrams said in that, in that piece for, uh, I don't remember who it was, but if there's any continuity problems like that, it's all, uh, Pablo Hidalgo's fault. Blame Pablo. Clearly. Poor Pablo. But so what about you, Amy? Like, what is it you're hoping out of this or, or most excited about or, or whatever, or what you think might happen? I kind of have a similar take towards Mike. And while he was speaking, I I wondered if that's kind of, you know, when Force Awakens was obviously kind of its own special piece because it was the sequel trilogy. It was that movie we never thought we'd get. It was the first one of many movies we never thought we'd get. But at the same time, Rogue One is two. It's the first spinoff. It's the first non-Jedi story. It's a, a lot of firsts. And I don't think this is like, I'm not spinning any conspiracy theory, but I kind of wonder now, maybe like, maybe they're not like market because in my head, I'm like, well, they should be marketing this by now because it's so different that surely they want to get that messaging out. And for people who aren't as into star Wars as us, like kind of set them straight. But I'm like, well, but on the other hand, maybe they don't want too many people like obsessing over it, you know? Well, And there's, there's another thing too, in that maybe they're worried about if they start advertising the next star Wars movie while the last one's still in theaters, that may, may hurt the box office. People will remind themselves, Oh, there's more star Wars. I need to hold off until the next one comes out. Wouldn't that be a good time to strike though? I mean, off the heels of force awakens. Personally, I think the best idea in the world they could do is re-release force awakens like the week before it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray and everything with the Rogue One ta- uh, trailer attached. Oh, totally. And they'd have another record-breaking weekend right there. Oh, that's... that's yeah, that's a, that would be smart. Um, um, we also... Then, no, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, but as far as like what I'm hoping for, what I'm excited about, I, I'm kind of trying not to have a lot of expectations. I am very intrigued by the concept, I think. I think it's a great spinoff story to start with. I think it's going to be, I want it to just be different than what the world we know. I want it to be different tonally. I want it to be different in looks, whatever that means. I just want something different than the seven movies we already have. So not because I don't love them because I do clearly, but just make that clear. But just because if you're doing something different, <laughs> like own it and be different. Yeah. Have something different. Yeah. There's also some more information. We'll get some more information, and it's not in a trailer, but uh, Marvel sort of secretly, quietly announced at a Diamond Comics retailer breakfast at C2E2 this weekend. Well, that's where that came up. So that Rogue One, uh, a Star Wars story, is getting a comic book set to release in October, and it is not an adaptation, but it is a three-issue lead into the film and then a one-shot. Isn't there a book, too? Um, I heard about a book. Um, I'll look that up I, real quick. I assume, uh, I, I assume it's probably going to have something to do with. I, I'm assuming. Oh no, it's a prequel. Delray Books announces Rogue One prequel, Star Wars Catalyst. Yeah. Um. Well, here we go. That's the, all we know is just that it's called Catalyst. <laughs> Um, and it comes out sometime in the fall of 2016, probably around the same time as the prequel comics. Um, it's available for pre-order already, but the only thing we don't know an author and, uh, literally all it has on the, the, the cover is the title. We do have, we do have, uh, a little bit of, uh, news about what aftermath, uh, life dead is about. Um, what is it? 
It says, uh, and this comes out July 19th, this book finds them being a team and suddenly getting interrupted by Princess Leia when she discovers that Han and Chewie are in a bit of trouble. Before Han can settle down with Leia, he has one last debt to pay. This is a story of our favorite best friends forever on Chewie's home planet, which we kind of knew, knew that already. Well, the title, I feel like, telegraphed that pretty. Yeah. Plus, after what happens in Aftermath, that little interlude. Yeah. Well, interesting. Do we have? Do we know who um, who the creators are on the comic? Did they say? No, they're very tight lipped. I wonder what the. I wonder what the the thinking is behind keeping it so quiet. I don't. It is. It is curious because it's like, um, days wise as we record this. There are only 270 some odd days until this movie comes out. And we've had one single image. And the teaser trailer at Celebration that 5,000 people, period, saw. I think we should come up with some outlandish conspiracy theories about why Lucasfilm isn't sharing information and start posting them on Twitter. I think they would love that. I am being sarcastic. Um, Yes. <laughs> yeah, I got that. <laughs> but it is. It's. I mean, I'm sure there's a really good reason, or that there's no like. I'm, but it is like interesting. That mostly because I'm impatient and I want to know all of it as soon as possible about everything. I know what you mean. I know. I know how you feel. I was uh, not to get off topic, but I was watching the newest. Rebels episode this week, and I kind of want to get to the thirtieth to see what happens. But then again, I kind of don't. I, I'd be fine with another fifteen episodes. I'm. I don't know if I'm ready for this Rebels finale. Can we just? I don't want to segue into Rebels, but just quickly that video that Lucasfilm released that was a look back at Anakin and Ahsoka. You guys, that had me weeping for a. S- I don't want it like for a solid hour because I would cry and then I'd get over it and then I would have to write about it or th- I don't know. Like I'm just. The, I'm, that was a great article, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, just the not, image I have in my head of the way we all look every time we think about that trailer and what we're going to see in the finale episode. Remember that moment in yeah. Revenge of the Sith where Padme is worried about Anakin because the Jedi temple's on fire and she just breaks out into tears after 3PO tries to see if she's uh, okay. That's yeah. pretty much how we all are every time we think about this. I'm I'm so worried, guys. I'm trying I'm not so to think worried. about it too much. That's that's the thing. Why don't we talk about other things? <laughs> um, I know we've got just a, gets well, quiet we, for an hour and a half. And, oh, okay. There was there, there's one thing I know so we've been I've been kind of feeling people out about what their favorite episodes of the show have been. And, and um, one of the ones that keeps, no, no, of our our, show of our show. um, And and one of the ones that keeps coming up is, is the fandom menace episode. Um, And um, I think, I think I want to try to kind of put a, a bigger focus on trying to create more positive star Wars community Um, to that end. We've got like, um, at Salt Lake Comic Con, which is this weekend, um, I'm doing a panel with Matt Martin and Don, whose letter kicked off that episode, yeah. and a few other people. 
um, about gatekeeping and bullying in the fandom. And uh, really just, I think that resonated with people because we've all seen it. And somebody commented. Or experienced it, sure. Or experienced it. There's one comment I want to read, and this is on the, um, the Full of Sith Imsy page. And if, if you guys uh, haven't signed up for this still, uh, I believe they're still giving free, free Full of Sith t-shirts to people who sign up for it. But the conversations on, on here have been really good. But um, it was from a listener named uh, Dale. And uh, I asked, you know, what are your favorite episodes? And his response was, um, I always enjoy when you guys talk about things like Rebels in the comics. And I've only been listening since December. So my first thought was the Ewoks episode. And then I remembered an archive episode that I think a lot about. I don't remember the number or the guest, but you guys were talking about Star Wars fans. And, and uh, Brian, you read a letter from a newer fan. And this fan was saying that she liked the prequels and wanted to be in touch with other fans in the community. But anytime she tried, she got a lot of trash talkers. Other Star Wars fans would always give her a hard time for liking Jar Jar or the Phantom Menace. She said she was giving up and quitting Star Wars or being a Star Wars fan. This broke my heart because I was one of those jerks. The worst part is I love the Ewoks, so I should know better. I'm sorry about the length of this post, but I wanted the full of Sith people to know they changed at least one Star Wars fan, and that's why I'm very hopeful. You hear that all the time. You hear people say all the time, well, if it reached one person, then job well done. But it's true. I mean, we've, we've clearly reached a lot of people. And and I was talking about this. I was on a Blast Points this past week. If you want to check it out, I think it comes out this Tuesday. And we were talking about briefly about this and how important it is and how we try to be, you know, a safe place. And we try to hold ourselves up to those standards. So when we had that episode with the Ewoks and we were kind of, you know, giving a, Brian a hard time, how that. I loved how people, you know, were holding us accountable for what we said. And, and it's really important. And even somebody like me, who I don't want to do that. Uh, I'm sure I do it from time to time and, and I got to be more aware of it. And I think that's fantastic. I think that was a great episode. That letter was great. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited at, at Salt Lake Comic Con to kind of like um, take that, that conversation out into, um, out into the public and see how that works. Um, but it's something I want to I want to continue cultivating with with listeners and Star Wars fans everywhere, um, and and I think one of the places you do that is everywhere you you interact with us online, whether that's our Twitters, um, for any of us individually or the show, which is at Full of Sith, or our Facebook page, where sometimes our Facebook page can get ugly, and uh, you know we really try to to keep it moderated. Um, to, to try to keep make people feel like they're safe on our pages. And then the newest, like I said, is, is Imsy. So if you go there, you can sign up at imsy.com forward slash full of Sith. And right now, since it's new, they're going to be sending you a full of Sith t-shirt. Um, but that any design's of these places, really cool, by the way. Yeah, no, it is. I love it. It's like the design is like Darth Maul, Palpatine, Asajj Ventress, Vader, the seventh sister and Kylo Ren like in a row in this really kind of cool, like charcoal watercolor style. And it just says full of Sith underneath it. Um, but, uh, but, but, but the, where, wherever you do, I mean, like I would like to see you on any, any or all of these online communities and online spaces we're creating for, for safe star Wars fandom. Um, because I want, I just want more of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, hopefully, will be ambassadors for a more welcoming fandom and, and hopefully you guys are too. 
not not you two. I know. No, I, I know, know what you, you meant. are. I no, mean the listeners. I think the listeners. I, many of them have been encouraged, and we have heard a lot of people not on social media, just getting in contact with us personally. Um, yeah, they feel it. They want it. Everybody wants it. It's, and there is those bad apples out there, and we gotta, you know, yeah. not feed them and ignore them. But I mean, other shows, people that do other shows, have contacted me and said it was really important that you guys did that show. You opened up a lot of minds and you brought it to the forefront. And that's that's you know, we don't want to be. I don't want to say we want to be like leaders but somebody had to do it somebody had to say something you know well, i think it's, it's so it's... important to point out the little things that make a big difference upon somebody like it might not be people just don't always realize the effect that even like offhanded comments can make um but like that lady said you know if one person rolls their eyes about jar jar and kind of pokes at you that's one thing but think about like you might not think that's a big deal but if she hears that from dozens of people like I think it's good to talk about that stuff and to make people realize that, oh, like when people called us about the Ewok thing, like told us, I'm like, oh, that's right. You know what? Like our word, like it's such a cheesy thing to say, but our words, I don't, they have an impact, even if they're, if they just seem like you're joking, like, so it's a very good topic to continually and, bring up, I think. And we'll turn you guys around on Ewoks soon enough. Nah. And the, the, the more, the more places you, <laughs> the more places you hear it, like if I, in everyday life, somebody will say something about, Oh, you love Star Wars so much you have tattoos or you have stickers on your car or you're wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I was even out today uh, with Anya going to get somewhere. We stopped by a pizza shop and the, the guy kind of rolled his eyes at me wearing a Star Wars hat and and, and t-shirt. And I mean, that, that doesn't happen too often. But, you know, if that continually happens to somebody that could that really takes the wind out of their sails for loving Star Wars. It's hard. It's something like I encountered like just yesterday, right? Um, I don't know if you guys saw that article on Slash Film. They interviewed a guy who'd seen The Force Awakens 20 times. And I was like, wait, I don't recall them interviewing me. Um, but I clicked on the article and read it. And it was like, yep, yeah, there's a guy. There's another person who's seen it 20 times. And I'm sure there's people who've seen it a lot more than that. I'm at 20. Where are you guys at, by the way? Uh, I'm at, yeah, I'm at 12. And April 1st is coming soon. Um. But so I commented like, um, yeah, 20 is a great number. I see, I see something every time, um, but I'm never going to break my record for Phantom Menace, which was 76. We worked in the theater, though. Yeah, no, I did. But, but I mean, like, it was just a comment, a supportive comment that, like, seeing it that many times certainly illuminated more things. And somebody responded, I hear they're still playing Phantom Menace at Guantanamo. Uh. What is that? Which, Why is that necessary in life? So it, it it's offensive on like a few levels, right? Like well, one, sure. like, are you saying I should travel to Guantanamo and so I can see Phantom Menace more? Um, because I would if they were playing it there. But or is it that I deserve to go to Guantanamo to be tortured or that they, this is how that we're torturing terrorists? Yeah, it, it was not very welcoming and it made me feel kind of icky. Um. And I didn't like it, and I called the person on it, and I said, you're not, you're not being very welcoming to, to Star Wars fans who like it in a different way than you, and, and uh, the good conversation sort of ended there. But good for uh, you for calling them out. Yeah. Well, that's what we have to do. Like, and and I, there's this line, right, where, like, when is it okay to call somebody out and not be a hypocrite about it, right? Because I don't want to have to call anybody out for how they like Star Wars. It's how they're a jerk to other people who like Star well, Wars. You also don't want to be a, you don't want to be a gatekeeper for 
for everything either. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't want to be a gatekeeper for anything. I just yeah. want people to like Star Wars if they like it. So Amy said this a little earlier. Um, there's the little comments that build up, or you, you think it's you may just be microaggressions. Yeah, it might yeah. be meant in a joking way, but you know, it could be more than that. And um, talking about how many screenings of Force Awakens you've seen, Brian. Um, before I came up here, we were talking about it coming out on, you know, digital and Blu-ray. And she said something about how many times did you, you two see it. And I said, I think Brian's over 20 and I think Amy's right around where I am. And she said, wow, 20 times doesn't, you know, where does he find the time for it? And, and how many times do you have to watch the movie, you know, while it's in the theater? And I said, well, it's, it's more than that though, Ariana. I said, you know, you like Star Wars, you like watching it, you like the story and, you know, you connect with the characters, but Brian is a film guy and he's seeing something different every time and, and we do a show on star wars so yes we should know a little bit about what we're talking about but i explained to her how you go through scenes and you see stuff that you haven't had before which brings your whole understanding of the rest of star wars together and and she she looked at me for, for a couple of seconds and she goes well that totally makes sense so and then she said i didn't mean it in a bad way i just i've never seen a movie that many times so i didn't understand so people don't understand i mean they, they could be ignorant to it and ignorant isn't a bad word it's just you don't know i i i don't think it's normal for people to see movies that often and i think um it's something i do because like i only watch a movie to the point i, I only watch a movie repeatedly to the point where i'm still getting something out of it right which is why star wars the star wars movies are like my favorite movies because it doesn't matter which one i put on every time i watch it i see something new in it um and which is why I've seen like uh, the Avengers twice. You know, I saw Bridge of Spies three times. Um, you know, there's other movies I have on my list I want to see a lot uh, or more often. Um, you know, I, I think I saw L.A. Confidential like nine times in the theater. Wow. Um, I mean, I was working at the theater then, so it was really easy to go and do that. And it was like it was one of those situations where it's like I have to take everybody to go see this. Um, but like movies that are that dense or that well-crafted, I think you want to go see them a lot, but I wouldn't shame anybody for how much or how little they wanted to see a movie. Um, although I would argue that, that probably the loudest people who are the, the most down on Phantom Menace fans are probably the, the sorts of Star Wars fans who've only seen Phantom Menace once. And I'm not blaming them for only seeing it once because they, didn't get enough out of it to want to visit it a second time, but to tell us who find things in it every time we watch it. I really do. Um, you know, like I found one of my favorite Qui-Gon lines the last time I watched it. I was watching it while I was working a couple weeks ago and Qui-Gon, I love Qui-Gon for all of his wisdom. And for some reason, one bit of wisdom had always kind of slipped by me. And now it's one of my favorite, most hilarious lines because it's so obvious. But imagine Liam Neeson in the movie, in his I'm dropping all of this wisdom on you voice, saying <laughs> a, sh a ship without a power supply isn't going to get us anywhere. Which is so funny to me, because it's so obvious. But I never even really caught that as a joke, right? It's the same thing with like in Force Awakens. It was probably my sixth or seventh time before I realized that um, my favorite hilarious line might be, I had no idea we had the best pilot in the resistance on board because you have to add up to what brought Kylo Ren to say that. 
And it's probably because he pulled that right out of Poe Dameron's head. And how cocky is Poe Dameron that that's the information he gives subconsciously <laughs> to Kylo Ren. Yeah. But it's watching it these way. things over and over again to to pick up and absorb all that stuff. Listen, people want to watch a movie a hundred times. It's their time. It's what they want to do. I got no problem with it. And I think that the people that watch, the people have saw uh, Phantom Menace once and have are the biggest proponents of why they don't like that movie. It's just, it's overly frustrating to me because they only saw it once. And most of the time when you're talking about something and it's been a long period of time in between, it isn't even what you're saying is that the truth. I mean, they you say something in your head enough that becomes the truth, but the lines that they say are the, the reasons why they don't like something don't even have anything to really do with the movie. And it's not what the line in the movie was. So that kind of frustrates me. Yeah. Well, Amy, you had an adventure this weekend too, didn't you? Or today even. Today, um, though it is not to do with Star Wars, uh, I'm afraid, but it is Star Wars adjacent because I very much I went to Wizarding World and I think Harry Potter is, you know, Star Wars is special because of it's the way it's lasted, the way that includes fandom, the way fans make stuff inspired by it and build their own worlds. I think Harry Potter is another franchise that has the potential to have the lasting power and reach of Star Wars. So that's how I see. And they have other things in common as well. But so I went to Wizarding World in Hollywood because so Universal Studios Orlando has had Wizarding World for what? Like maybe two years now, three years. Mm -hmm. No, it's been longer than that. Has it been longer? Yeah, it's been because I was there and I went there. The Celebration 5. Yeah. And we're Celebration Europe's what, like? the fourth one or third one since then yeah that's true wow it's been a while well we just got caught up on the west coast so universal's west i guess as you call it wizarding world opens officially on april 7th but they've been doing like technical rehearsals so i've been sneaking over because once it once it opens i feel like it's going to be super super busy 2010 Um, it opened wow that long ago that's crazy yeah um, so they had a pass holder preview today because I got a pass just because of Wizarding World. I, in fact, had no interest in going to Universal Hollywood until Wizarding World opened. I'd never been because, I don't know, Universal is just not, not my kind of theme park. I mostly just spend my time judging how it's not as good as Disneyland. I just want to wanna sit there and watch, like, just sit in front of the Bates Motel and go, this is where Alfred Hitchcock stood filming that movie. That's a good thing to do, sure, but Disneyland's still better. Um, <laughs> no, <but Wizarding. laughs> Disneyland, I would go to Disneyland and, and and Universal for completely different reasons. Uh, you know, it's the film nerd in me that would go to Universal. It's the Disney nerd and the the Disney history nerd and the Disney film nerd in me that, and the Disneyland nerd in me that gets me to Disneyland. And I think Disneyland. there's more nerdery that brings me to Disneyland than Universal, which is why... I've never actually been to Universal Hollywood, and I used to live down there. Yeah, I don't really, unless you're super into Wizarding World, I don't really think you need to. But the Wizarding World is so well done. I think one of the cool things about going to Wizarding World is you can see, you know, they really, Universal in that department really pushed Disney to be better with their theming and to be more immersive. And Cars Land and California Adventure, I think, as a result of seeing what 
what you can do because Disney wasn't a slouch in theming before, but Universal's take on Harry Potter Land is so like down to the point where in the Owlery they have fake bird poop on the grounds. Wow. Like painted in. So I think visiting Wizarding World gives you a taste of what Disney will be doing once they start to build Star Wars Land. Because I think it will be that level of, you know, you can't buy soda. You can't buy a Coca-Cola in Wizarding World because it's not on brand. Like it's not part of the world. So to that level, I think that's what we'll see in Star Wars Land. So, yeah, I went to Wizarding World. I, I wore my Hufflepuff school sort of approximation of a Hufflepuff school uniform because I am a Hufflepuff and proud of it. Went on the Forbidden Journey ride. I had a traditional English breakfast. I waved a wand around. It was a pretty delightful day. Cool. Yeah, I was really excited to um, for you. I have been enjoying the pictures. So continue taking pictures there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really pretty place, but it, and it does get me. I guess it did tie around to Star Wars because going there, I'm like, oh, Disney's going to do Star Wars Land so so well. I think. Um, with one other Harry Potter connection, unless he pulls an Anthony Daniels at Fanex this weekend, I'm doing the interview with Jason Isaacs. Oh, you are. I am, and so That's he was obviously awesome. Lucius Malfoy in harry potter but he's also the grand inquisitor um so unless unless i get there and he decides right at the last second like anthony daniels did that he needs no assistance from me i will (laughs) definitely be asking him questions about harry potter and rebels probably Dragonheart, um and uh bringing that to to listeners i think there's so much cool crossover actually between harry potter not just composers like we have with rogue one or uh, actors yeah. like like Jason Isaacs. Um, but there's so much theming wise that I think that the Harry Potter the Harry Potter stories and the Star Wars stories are, are, are pretty well linked. It was funny it was funny they um I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in two thousand two or so, there were rumors that they went and shot like the ending of Revenge of the Sith was actually shot during the production of Attack of the Clones. Um, because why bring why bring Bonnie Pierce and and Joel Edgerton back for one shot of the movie when you know what the shot of the movie is going to be and you can shoot an insert of the baby when you cast the baby later, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But in the press, they were all referring to it as the Harry Potter scene. They're shooting the Harry Potter scene. They shot the Harry Potter scene for the end of Revenge of the Sith, which is which is really weird. Like knowing exactly to the point where you know where the the film is going to end and then they're referring it to the Harry Potter scene, which is funny because I'm sure it was partially inspired by star Wars in the first place where Harry is left in the hands of his rather shabby aunt and uncle. Oh, true. You know, and it starts with that scene. The first movie starts with that, that Harry Potter scene. That first part of the movie starts with that revenge of the Sith scene, that Luke Skywalker scene. Um, but no, I think I think it, maybe maybe in a future show, if people are interested, we'll we'll talk about the similarities between Star Wars and Harry Potter. And I'd love to. I, oh they're, yeah, they're both uh, franchises that I hold very dear, that's for sure. I've read more Harry Potter books than Star Wars books. Let's put it that way. There's only seven Harry Potter books. I read them all. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. I'm just giving I'm giving it the credit it deserves. And the Beetle you, Bard, man. the Tales of the Beetle Bard. I read that too. That's eight. Okay. 
You know? Are you guys are you guys excited for the Cursed Child when it comes out in July? Yes. I we should try to go see it in London, Amy. Do you think it's already sold out? You think we maybe yes, they we have should. standby. <gasps> I'm going to wait in line to try to see if I can see. If it. you're there, you should try. That's all I'm yes, saying. Yes, we should. We should. Well, you two think about that and let me know. Okay. How's that sound? So, I want to say, Brian, when you pitched this idea to us uh, yesterday. I didn't know, much like how you said to me a while ago, uh, are we going to have enough to talk about Star Wars for all these episodes? And we did. I didn't know if we could pull off a whole episode with it, but you brought up, you both brought up a lot of great points. And um, it was a great show, so thank you. I like how surprised we all are every time we get to the end of a show and go like, <laughs> man, I don't think we could talk about that for an hour. Well, the, the, the funny thing is we could probably talk about it for another hour at least. No, we could. I, I have so many questions about Rogue One, and I have so many thoughts about positive fandom. And uh, we should, we should uh, maybe if we bring Andrew Slack back on the show, instead of having him talk about politics, maybe we should just talk about the intersections of Star Wars and Harry Potter with him. That would be really cool. He's a smart guy. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, so, Amy, you had a, the article out this week. I had to share it on Facebook because I thought it was phenomenal. Um, can you tell everybody... Where you they can find it at? Uh, yeah, I wrote about Anakin and Ahsoka for Nerdist. So if you just go to the Star Wars tag, search Star Wars or Star Wars Rebels on Nerdist, that'll pop up. And so will my other Star Wars stuff there. And I also write for StarWars.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Amy underscore Geek. Awesome. And Brian? Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at SwankMotron. And uh, that's where you can find links to most of the stuff I do. But yeah, I'm, I'm still toiling away for starwars.com um with my cinema behind star wars series uh the current issue of star wars insider has uh the launch pad like news stuff from amy and do you have anything else in this one this new one amy um i, I don't think so and then i've got uh the cover stories about kylo ren and what makes him a great bad guy and like i quoted amy in that article and holly was uh holly fry was in that article and i even talked to like one of the screenwriters from the new doctor strange movie and uh a bunch of other people about what make kylo ren great um and then the second part of my radio drama interviews was in there and it was good and you should check it out and you should come to big shiny robot and read my rebels reviews regularly there and buy my books. You can look at me up on Amazon or find my books at brianyoungfiction.com. Um, I think if you like Star Wars and like hearing me yak, you will like my books. I guarantee you and, will. Um, oh, oh, one more thing I wanted to mention before we went. The uh, WEKK, the WEK podcast, they did an episode, their last episode, like basically they just go through and kind of like look at, at podcasts. Um, they featured like full of Sith on their last episode. And they had a lot of really nice things to say. And they made, they made Amy and I blush. And when you listen to it, Mike, I think they'll make you blush too. That's awesome. So it's, what is it again? W E K the WEC podcast, W E K K. If you look at WEC podcast, uh, at wet podcast, WEC podcast on Twitter, uh, you'll find that episode. And I think we retweeted it in our Twitter too. And we'll post a link on the Facebook. Yeah. But, uh, send some links for the show notes too. I will. Cool. I will. I can't wait to listen to it. it. I, I see the island. <laughs> um, as for me, like I said earlier in the episode, I was on Blast Points this week with Jason. Uh, it's a newer show. And I have to say, um, I had a really bad day uh, beforehand. And then I kind of canceled on him. And then I felt bad that I canceled on him because I didn't want to be like 
not very talkative or not, you know, just be rude. I didn't want to do that. So I texted him back quick and said, Hey, you know, yeah, I'll still do this tonight. I'm sorry that I seem like a, a diva or a prima donna, but I, I had a bad day, but he had some really great questions. I had a really great star Wars conversation with him. He was very, um, said a lot of great things about our show, inspiring him. And, and, um, I need some really great questions like favorite bounty hunter. And I thought about it, you know, if I didn't want to be silent for minutes, but I wish I would have said that uh Cad Bane would have been pretty cool. I didn't say that. There's a lot of things going back. I, you know, he talked really nice about Amy and Brian and um, I wish I would have gave them a lot more credit than I did. But um, anyway, great, great episode. Check that out. It should be out this Tuesday or this Wednesday. Also, I want to say, uh, give my apologies to Riley at uh, Star Wars Report. Um, he asked me Friday night to come on the show uh, a couple hours before they were about to start. And I already had plans with Anya since Ariana was working, but I would love um, to, to hook up with them and be on their show as well. But I, um, I really like Riley and, uh, and Bethany and I, um, I felt bad that I had to say no, but anyway, uh, the mic.com is where you can find a lot of stuff with me. Uh, go to the uh, star Wars podcast awards. They're going into their finals and um, that's going to be revealed soon as well. iTunes reviews. Um, if you want to email us, holocron at com. Twitter is at the full of Sith, at the mic, at Amy underscore geek, at swankmatron. Uh, Facebook.com slash full of Sith is where you can go and get show notes and conversations that are happening all the time. And uh, a lot of other places you can find us, like Imzy. Like Brian said, go there and sign up and you probably get a brand new T-shirt, too. And it is a very cool design. And I think that's it. Episode 159 of Full of Sith for Amy Ratcliffe and Brian Young. Thank you for listening. I am the Mike Pilot. May the force be with you, always. If you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.